Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer-turned-psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have Bob Solomon. He is the president of CIO Systems. He has a really interesting tagline for his company. It's called, We Make IT Boring. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But first, I'd like to tell you what they do over at CIO Systems and a little bit about Bob. Uh, they do IT management, security, and they help employees be more productive with unlimited support. I found that kind of interesting. It's unlimited. So uh, they can really help with the, the employee productivity. But Bob is also a leader in the community. He is a board member at the National City Chamber of Commerce and also at the South Bay Economic Council. So he's got a lot of stuff going on in work and outside. So let's welcome Bob. So hi, Bob. Hello. How's everything going? Thank you for having me today. Oh, things are going well, uh, especially since you're here, because I'm really looking for your interesting story. Um, so thank you so much for giving us your time today. My pleasure. Well, you know, Bob, you do have an interesting story. And instead of just sort of asking you more about what you do, I wanted to start right in with that because uh, you're willing to share information about yourself, like um, that you have dyslexia and ADD. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said that uh, you're willing to share how oh, sure. that helped you get into tech and, you know, how you've dealt with that all your life. Well, it's been a major um, stumbling block and also a uh, path. Uh, for me. So I grew up in the uh, 60s and 70s. At the time, uh, it wasn't quite understood. They were under, starting to understand. But I did terrible in school. I was a, a CD student for most of my elementary and high school. Uh, I only got into college because um, that I, at the time, it was very easy to get into uh, state university. All you have mm -hmm. to do is score a certain level on an SAT, and that was it. It was just a chart, and I felt, oh, because my SAT scores were so high, even though my grades were very bad, I automatically got into state. Uh, so I went to Cal State Long Beach. And there, I was the first time I ever had really, it was actually the second time I ever had an option to touch a computer. So at the time, back then, it was virtually impossible for the average person to get close to a computer. I remember uh, that. Yes. So... Um, <laughs> And so there was an Apple II in the, uh, in the um, library, and I started programming on that. And one of my fellow nerd friends, uh, he, w he w actually was part of the mathematics department, and gave me an account on the, on the school mainframe, uh, PDP 1170 for the nerds out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, there wasn't a good word processing program at that time. There was, uh, there was text and some other applications but they were very bad at doing it for to really type it, you were constantly switching between modes and uh, also you every, you know you it wouldn't show you a cursor at the time you had to remember where you were and then type commands and move forward or back to a document so it was very cumbersome so i actually wrote my own word processing program with a dictionary so uh it's, that's a major accomplishment to be able to create a dictionary where you're dyslexic but uh, so I, 
so I was actually the first person to hand in computer generated homework for a liberal arts class. And the teacher actually had to go to this to academic um, Senate to get approval from to accept my homework. Wow. Like, so, so it wasn't uh, handwritten, you mean, or, yeah, or typed? Yeah, at that time, it, it had to be handwritten or yeah. typed, usually typed. Yeah. And so since it was generated from a computer, there was some concerns because no one had ever done that before. <laughs> uh, and so obviously, since uh, it was accepted and was allowed through, so next time you can uh, submit your uh, homework on a uh, computer versus having to type it out, you can thank me for that. Yes, uh, thank so you, know, Bob. So, my pleasure. <laughs> Uh, so uh, while I was there also, they had a uh, program for adult, uh, adults with learning disability program at California State, which was an excellent program. I was very happy that I got into that. So with those, that support, um, I was able to graduate uh, on the president's honor roll. So I went from a C student to being on a president's honor roll by being, yeah, and just by being able to um, uh, do my work on the computer and handed it in that way. It just made all the difference in the world. Plus they taught me a lot of other things. Cause it was just, for so long it was just, it was, it's, it was impossible to communicate by writing because I would, I'd think of words, but I would think of them phonetically and there was no real easy way of looking it up in a dictionary. I see. And so it was, you know, a lot of times I would have to find synonyms to words. Um, because, you know, because I couldn't think of how to spell a word, so I had to find another word or phrase, and it just it was very hard to edit. And you know, even when I edited, I created errors in my edits, so it was very, very hard. And it was, it was, it was basically, and this is through my entire life. It was very, I had very negative self view of myself because everything I did was terrible. And so uh, my teachers, I, my sister. I have a sister who's about two years older. She's one grade ahead of me. And she was the exact opposite of me. She was like a student. Everybody loved her. Uh, very sociable. And then I came along and <laughs> I, would, I remember in music class, she was a uh, uh, high class uh, celloist. She played the cello in the, mm -hmm. the county opera, uh, county, opera uh, county orchestra. And uh, I came along and they put a the teacher put a violin in my hands and it was horrible. And the look of, ab the, of horror and disappointment on the teacher is still to this day. And then same thing happened in Spanish class. My parents are, uh, grew up in Colombia and, uh, you know, they speak Spanish. And my, the teacher who had just had my sister, uh, when I came in, the, just the disappointment on her face after dealing with me was once again the same thing. It was just so all my through my life, I got a lot of negative feedback and that they definitely uh uh shaded my um my life view and it just until recently i've been putting things into better context how did you turn that around how did you empower yourself uh and you know to be able to feel better about yourself and you know be so successful and like run a company for goodness sakes well, actually, it's fairly common for people with AD. I'm reading up on the subject. I was just recently diagnosed with ADD, and reading up on the subject, it's fairly common for people with ADD to run companies because I just I I I 
would have been just a horrible employee. I was always a bad employee. Right. Uh, the anxi- I, I have a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. when doing a task, especially if somebody's watching me. So I'm fine if you leave me alone. Uh, but if you watch me and, you know, I, I get very nervous, I start making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, be, you know, so it's easier for me to be an employee, employer than an employee. So that's one of the reasons I have my own company is actually one of those very common copes with the disabilities. So uh, it just, so it's a lot easier. So to have, to have, have your own company when you, when you have dyslexia and uh, ADD. Well, that's fascinating. Um, and, you know, it actually kind of explains a lot. I mean, you think about a lot of CEOs and, and all that too, they, uh, whether or not they're diagnosed, they definitely have their attention scattered in a lot of different directions. And so um, that might actually, uh, I don't know, come into play in, in positive ways as well, um, and being able to switch gears a lot. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's more because, uh, you know, just as I said, we tend, you know, uh, we t- tend, uh, I, I'm much, br- I'm fairly bright, but my, you know, but, and so I have, but I have a hard time communicating sometimes. Yep. And so that, then it comes out as frustration yep. to a lot of people and people, you know, you get in trouble. So <laughs> that was what, what was happening if I, a lot of times when I worked other places. So it was easier for me to work my own place and then i have a i have technician who i send out and when i know i'm going to be frustrated about something i let him take a lot of that stuff and uh, so i can work in the background and take care of stuff and he can deal with the people yeah i think being able to delegate is key uh, especially when you're the leader you can do that and then realize i mean when you have a team of people who compliments you with their strengths and the communication okay. yeah absolutely yeah. well let's see so um, you talked about a little bit about how you started your company, um, and we've gone a little bit about the, the, um, services that CIO systems offers, but do you want to tell us a little bit more about your role there and what you do at the company? Uh, we do, we, what we do is basically we're, uh, our, our main functions we do is, is outsourced, uh, IT. So when uh, outsource the help desk, so probably the most of our calls are people having little problems. Like just this morning at seven o'clock, one of my nice clients called me up and uh, couldn't find some emails. And so I logged in and uh, she had accidentally deleted them and also missorted some of her Outlook files. So we took care of that. I mean, my my attitude is you always want to take care of the little grains of sand problems right away because mm-hmm. they tend to fester. So we try to answer the calls right away and deal with those problems right away. Our more important function is uh, managing the back, the background, uh, the situation, making sure the backups are happening, uh, make sure that uh, the security is in place. So when there is a problem like this morning, I was able to recover e- her emails with no mm-hmm. problem. And the, so, but we can do that by having everything else in place and making sure everything's protected. And, uh, and, be, and one of the things I always tell people is I've, uh, I've um, monetized my paranoia. 
Oh, that's interesting. No, it's so true because so much of us take it for granted. And then when something goes down, or even if you can't find an email, sometimes it just puts you in a tailspin. So you're looking out for all of these things that could go wrong and being preventive or proactive? Oh, yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually at the National City Chamber office. And one of my uh, clients called and they said, she said, oh, all of a sudden there's all these files on my screen with uh, squiggly lines in front of it and a lot of weird stuff. And I was like, um, it was 10 minutes from the client's office. And I said, okay, turn off your computer. And I immediately got in the car and raced over to her office. Because the first thing I'm being paranoid was I was thinking of the encryptor virus. She was suddenly hit by encryptor viruses. And so I get down there and fortunately it's somehow somebody had turned on, turned on show hidden files. And okay. so all I had to do is turn it off and, uh, and that was it. So, but the whole point is I was already going through my disaster recovery process right. in my head on the way down there. How am I mm-hmm. going to handle it? You know, you know, and the, uh, and to make sure that if anything had happened, the company would have been protected. We, what we do is we have two sets of backups for every client. In, when we use two different programs on two different types of media, one's a cloud, one's in-house, just in case stuff like that had, would have happened. Fortunately, it didn't. Yeah, I love it. Um... Yeah, I mean, I love the, your little expressions here, too, about, you know, using your paranoia, I mean, in a positive way. Um, we're going to have to post this um, podcast on my psych websites, too, oh, yeah, <laughs> to I, help I all my therapy friends, yeah. Uh, more than happy to be of any use. That. Yeah. And uh, therapy's helped a lot. I'm currently uh, I'm working with a new uh, psychiatrist and psychologist, and mm-hmm. they have me on some new medications, which has helped a lot and really helped focus my energies and uh, definitely changing a lot about my attitudes. I've been making a lot of changes through my entire life. So yeah, I, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, in, um, in psychiatry, psychology, and uh, mm-hmm. also in, uh, you know, in, uh, the appropriate medications. Well, I, we're just so grateful for you sharing this because so many people don't talk about these kind of issues. And the fact that you're willing to be open about it is just so helpful to others who might be uh, experiencing these kind of uh, situations and behaviors and not knowing what to do. So thank and, you. And the tech industry tends to attract those type of people. I think a lot of people in the tech industry could possibly have some benefit from it. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I said, uh, going back to my college, how I got into tech was because I to compensate for my uh, inability to spell, I wrote the word processing program mm-hmm. that got me into computers. And then uh, that's been something I've been in and out of for, you know, essentially since the eighties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it gives me that view that the, the computers are there to be, to be tools and they need to be up and running and available. And that's really what we're doing is we're working with our clients to make sure that, you know, things are boring, that, they don't really worry about their computers. They don't, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. They're just going to come in and work. Right. Like the no news is good news kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. That's better from your computer. <laughs> and we base, we're under contract with our clients. And so we're a bit like an HMO and we make sure everything's healthy. And we hope, and 
you know, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it, it sounds terrible, but we really don't want to hear from our clients. Yeah. We want to make sure everything's okay and they're happy and we get paid basically, you know, a, a, a certain amount each month under the contract. And so we don't, we want to make sure they're not calling us and we're, because we're keeping them happy. Right. That's our, our main goal. But we, I mean, all of our clients, I just, in fact, I was just, uh, I just, one of my clients is uh, Icelandic and we went and took a sauna together over the, uh, on Monday. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Fun. Very <laughs> interactive with our clients. Yeah. Well, speaking of clients, I, I have a question about relationships here that I really wanted to ask you because this comes up a lot for me and people ask me this question um, about CEO and CIOs, you know, so the relationship there. And so you must be involved in this from an external perspective, working with CIOs, working with CEOs. So what challenges typically come up when you're dealing with these two different roles in an organization? Well, I mean, generally it's a budgeting issue is our biggest concern. Mm -hmm. So uh, people don't want to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so it's just always a justification of the expenses. Uh, is, and then uh, also justification of any disruption. So a lot of times we're working with clients and uh, you know they're worried about that something's going to cost too much or be disruptive enough. And it's, my issue is you know, I need to be able to make the case for doing something has a potential benefit that might you know it, it's like we're selling that we're selling them something that to prevent something else from happening. Mm -hmm. And if we're if what we sell them is correct, nothing's going to happen. And selling nothing is sometimes a little harder than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's much easier when they're in the crisis, but you're like, but now it's too late, right? Well, I, yeah, I'm a very big believer in the saying, never waste a good, good crisis. Um, yeah, I mean, a crisis or, or, I mean, I mean, you know, when it's not our clients um, is uh, very good. Um, yeah, it's one thing, especially in this industry, if, the, if you ever come up against a crisis, it's the time to do everything that you need to do to get the customer happy because they're going to forget about it in two days. Uh, we had a client, I have another client that um, they uh, didn't want to deal with multi-factor authentication. Uh, and uh, I've been telling them for ages, uh, constantly on and on and documenting everything that you need MFA. Well, obviously they eventually got hacked and, uh, and we turned, you know, that was like, okay, let's turn on uh, multi-factor for all your clients. A couple of people were uh, annoyed by it, but most people uh, did it with no problem. So you have to, when something happens, you have to take advantage of it and uh, make sure that's when you can get things in place. You have about one to two days to do everything. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't, you don't want to lose it, the initiative. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I could totally see that. When they're at their highest anxiety, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll do anything to stop this that's and not let it happen that's again. That's when you need to, obviously you don't want to be abusive or anything like that. Right. You want to do everything. You want to be able to go back and, you know, justify everything. Because later, you know, like in a month, they're going to, a lot of times when you do something, they're going to, somebody's going to come back and question why you did all the stuff you did. And you have to be able to prepare and you have to be able to justify it. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely... If you have a if if you come up with a, a client with a serious problem, and they're under attack or something, is the best time to do everything. 
So how do you talk to CEOs about this? I get it. If you're in there talking to a CIO or uh, somebody who's already technical and you're explaining to them what needs to be done, uh, that's one thing. But somebody who's a business person, how do you find a common language to speak to them? Yeah. I, I've been I've run businesses before, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know bigger businesses, and you know I basically try to explain to them how much problems little annoyances cause. So another great example, I was with one client who's very very cheap, and they didn't want to buy new computers for his staff, and he didn't want to buy a new computer for himself, but his computer eventually died. So I went down, he went down to use one of the computers in the staff room and it took 20 minutes to do everything it needed to do, literally 20 minutes just to start up, boot up. And he says, why is this? I said, well, because that's a very old computer. That's how long it takes. And so he, that was like, okay. You know, if he, you know, the whole point is getting, trying to have them see the problem is if you can Mm -hmm. get them to see the problem and live the problem is usually one of the big things to, to get people to change their mind. Uh, once again, having, you know, if they lose a file or something like that and you show them how to get it back. Uh, so usually being able to demonstrate the problem and having them experience some pain with it, you know, uh, is usually the, the best, the best way and to show them that what they're buying is going to save them money and has the benefits. So I, I always try to sell, the, the benefit and then the potential saving of, of, of problems. Yeah. Uh, and, also, you know, part of also you need to, uh, it, it's, um, you know, there's a, I'm taking sales training with Sandler training. Uh, I just started up here in San Diego. Are you familiar with Sandler? Yeah, I actually had uh, Brian Jackson as a guest on my show. So you can go. I was just about to give him a plug. Oh, great. Well, you are. You're giving a plug. All right. Okay, great. Yeah. So I've I've been going through the training with uh, uh, Brian for the last, like, been almost five, six months already. So, uh, Uh and that's helped. And uh, uh, so, uh, so you uh, you, you know, one of the things you have to first do is you have to be in a comfortable position with uh, the person. And uh, you you don't have to, and you don't have to, you don't want to glad hand them or, uh, you know, you know, uh, be false about your friendship, but you have to be in a good place and they have to trust you. And mm-hmm. that's where you work from that point. If they don't, okay. if you're not in that position, it's hard to do anything else. Okay. So I heard actually two keys. I want to make sure to okay. summarize here. One is showing them the problems and what can happen and, and mm-hmm. the benefits. So having them experience it to the best that you can and building that trust. Right. The CEOs. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, and I could, it sounds to me like getting in a sauna with uh, yeah. a CEO would be a great way to yeah. build a relationship there. Yeah. And whatever, you know, other uh, ways of not just sitting in a meeting together, but uh, getting to know them a little bit, maybe over a meal or something else too. Yeah, no, and, uh, you know, it's very important you should know what's happening in their life and, you know, uh-huh. make sure you ask them about, you know, their kids or what else is going on. And uh-huh. it's, it's important to have that relationship and that it's not just business and uh, that you're concerned about, that. you have to be concerned, genuinely concerned about them, the person right. and also their business. 
and uh, you know that uh, you know you you knowledgeable about the business and you're you want to make sure the business succeeds and mm -hmm. be able to demonstrate that to the clients. Okay, well, you talked a little bit about your sales training that you're engaging in now, right. um, and I'm wondering what other kinds of ways you've learned your people skills. I mean, now that you run a company uh, and you have other people working for you and uh, you're working with people in organizations, you know, how do you uh, handle those people kind of skills? Oh God, I I'm uh, basically uh, my historically my people skills were horrible. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was the you know the if if uh, if the concept of an incel had existed when I was in high school, I probably would have fallen into that. Uh, and uh, I just I, you know I've always had it was, had problems dealing with people in a lot of different ways, and a lot of you know I tend to be misunderstood, and uh, and so uh, I've had a lot of history with just problems with dealing with uh, humanity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's something I've put a lot of effort to trying to, uh, uh, trying to um, resolve and cope. So mm -hmm. uh, part, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been in therapy and that's part of the things I'm working on therapy is on how to relate to people. Mm -hmm. and, but just little things like um, looking people in the eye. I mean, I was uh, doing sales for uh, selling ink, for uh, printing ink. Mm -hmm. And a long time, and it was just, you know, training myself to look at people's eyes. Uh, I have a tendency to look at their mouths because it actually helps me understand what they're saying. Right. But uh, just forcing myself to look into people's eyes and just doing little things to try to, you know, make, uh, make things better, speak clearer, speak slower, uh, smile more. Uh, be concerned about other people, ask about them, uh, and uh, you know, don't dominate the conversation. Uh, just basically learning one little thing at a time mm -hmm. and trying to improve my skills one little bit at a time. Uh, my biggest problem is when I'm under stress or something like that, I tend to revert back and that always becomes an issue. Uh, so I always have to make sure that I know how I'm doing and how I'm feeling and so I can, you know, properly gauge, uh, engage the other person. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, this, that's one of the reasons I took it to sales training was, you know, to learn how to sell better, but also as a way of improving myself. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, you've gotten to a very sophisticated level and some of the mindfulness there of, of understanding where you are and being mindful of how you're feeling at the time to be able to then monitor and, and change how you are on the outside. Yeah, that's, that takes a lot of work. And, um, you know, to get to that point shows that you've actually gone through a lot on your own. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, um, when you're talking uh, about your company here, Mm -hmm. uh, you've mentioned a few things that you do. I'm wondering how people can get in touch with you. Like if they want to do IT or ask you any questions, if you're willing to talk about some of the uh, other things you talked about. We're, um, I love talking to people mm -hmm. uh, and we work very hard to always pick up the phone. Uh, my office number is 619-293-8600. Um, option four goes directly to me. Uh, and uh, even after hours, my, my cell phone rings after hours and said this morning at seven o'clock 
or mm-hmm. 650. I was uh, helping a client uh, with uh, their outlook. So we, it's, you know, so we're very much there. I'm on LinkedIn under Bob Solomon. I'm very active there, also on Facebook. Uh, and I also have a business account, a business uh, version, CIO Systems Inc. on both of those. So mm-hmm. very easy to get hold of. There's another company that stole my name up north in um, the Bay Area. And uh, so there's some confusion sometimes between my my company and theirs. So just always make sure you're uh, mm-hmm. looking at uh, the right company. My website is CIOSYS.com. And uh, uh, so uh, there's some information there. But you know, the best way to get a hold of me is call me or you know, uh, my email is bob at CIOSYS.com. And uh, always, I love talking to people. And you know, especially if I can help you out, uh, I'd love to have any opportunities. Well, let me also ask you, just for, since we have a second here, about if people want to get involved in any of the community activities that you do as well. I mean, you're at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, National City, uh, the South Bay Economic Council. Uh, take a moment to just tell us if people are interested in, in reaching out and networking, like how they might do that with you there. Uh- we, you know, th- and there's a lot of other groups. I'm actually going to the Chula Vista Chamber this after- tomorrow night for their gala. And uh, there's so many uh, opportunities in, t- in San Diego to network uh, that there's too many. Uh, <laughs> you were mentioning one. There's Six Degrees. There's uh, Network at Night. And there's so many. So there's always things. But the key thing is you, you want to be someplace where you think you can help and where it's interesting for you. And, uh, you know, if they want to call me, I'm more than willing to try to get them set up with uh, somebody in their area. I have connections throughout the county. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, once again, I mean, there's no lack of places where people can help, uh, especially, you know, considering it's an election year. There's also the political stuff and everything also. You know, that's just such a great way of phrasing it, though. I mean, the key to networking here, last little nugget from your your show here is that the key to networking is helping others right, right? Well, that's, it's, yeah, yeah. this uh if you're familiar with bni yeah a uh, business networking international which i also belong to is uh givers gain yeah and the whole the whole thing is you know i'm just always i mean really nothing gives me more pleasure than I, when i can make a connection so if i can see that if you know if somebody has a need and i know they can connect somebody that's usually best. And I don't do it because I can, I'm going to get anything directly out of it. I just do it because it's really fun to do. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, as soon as I see the connection, it's like, oh, I got to deal with this. And I immediately text the two people and say, hey, you guys should get together and, um, and talk. And, uh, and, you know, I see there's potential chemistry between you two. And it's really great. I mean, you know, I've, um, you know, I've just found a, found a job uh, by some lady who called me, you know, we get most of my referrals come from my competitors. And huh. so I got a call from this lady who was referred to me by one of my competitors and I ended up talking to her and she runs a bar and my friend is a bartender and she was looking for a job. So it was like, great. I can put these two people together and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and get them you know, together and doing stuff. And that's always the most fun thing to do. Well, I just think this is remarkable. You have gone from what you say being a, C and D student and being 
uh, having challenges dealing with people and humanity to being one of the most successful networkers that I know (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, running and doing a service job there. So, wow, you've come a long way. And I think some of your lessons there are going to be really helpful to others who are thinking oh, about yeah, and moving in that direction. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show. And, and thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor to, to be here to do this with you. Well, thanks. And thanks to our viewers and listeners. We're at reinventingnerds.com and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.